This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome into Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network on what is this, what, Wednesday nights as we count down towards the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida. We're in front of Dino Beach, Florida. Once again tonight, this is where Clemson is set up. This is where Clemson is practicing. This is where Clemson had another workout this afternoon. We were over there for that, our first chance to have a open uh, look at the Tigers uh, in their camp here at Fernandina Beach, we got a chance to watch about you know, 15, 20 minutes of special teams work and some stretching, and then we were able to do some interviews after practice was over, which ended at about 5.20, 5.25. So I was able, really wanted to just hear from the new defensive ends coach, Chris Rumpf, who was made available to the media for the first time since joining the Tigers, rejoining the Tigers. So we'll bring that to you Tonight, had to leave after that to get back over to uh, where we're set up to broadcast. So we got that for you tonight. Tomorrow, the two head coaches will have the typical pre-bowl press conference uh, beginning at 11 o'clock in the morning over at Everbank Stadium. So we got a ton to do tonight. Pat Daniel is off. We have Josh Cohen back at our studios in Columbia. And we welcome back from his extended uh, leave of absence but a successful one at that because he got a chance to relax on the uh, the beaches of Hawaii and then um, get over to see his uh, Coastal Carolina Shauna Clears win a bowl game. We welcome back Chris Bergen to Sports Talk, all rested. I'm sure he's got Indeed. a little bit of a tan going and, and probably feeling pretty lazy right now, huh? I, that, that lack of sleep, I think, still is the uh, note of the day. I've already taken a nap today, got up about five. I'm still trying to adjust to the uh, swings and time changes. When you go out to Hawaii, it's five hours behind us here in the East Coast, and then you come back, and we flew overnight, Christmas night, into uh, yesterday. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what time zone I'm in, but uh, I won't say it's good to be back because folks would think I'm lying, and I would be to leave Hawaii, but it is good to be back on Sports Talk. I will say that. Well, it's good to have you back, Mike. Well, my you. number one question is, uh, how's Finn? Uh, how did Finn greet you? How did he deal with his extended absence from his parents? Speaking of exhausted, Finn is. He's <laughs> currently sleeping and not where he normally is here in the game room with me. He's out on the full couch in the den. So, yeah, he, got, he gets a chance to play a good bit at the doggy daycare that we take him to here in Florence. So I'm not sure he gets a whole lot of sleep. Lost his voice as well. Heard him, heard him try to bark at some of the neighbors. It sounds like a fan at the end of a football or basketball game, how everybody's hoarse. <laughs> if your team's doing well, that's that, that was Finn earlier today. So that was funny. But uh, thank you for asking, though. He's in good shape but yeah uh good trip out to hawaii it's an amazing place it, re- it really is and coastal played just to the football game perspective coastal played about as well as they had played all year especially defensively mm-hmm. 
led 17 to nothing in the early moments of the fourth quarter, and this was a San Jose State team that had not been shut out in the opening half in nearly three years. The last team to do it was Southern California back in 2021, but the uh, Shauna Clears were outstanding on defense, and I, I spoke with Shane Bruce, the linebacker for Coastal, on Friday right before the game, and he said that James Madison beat down when they gave up 50-plus points and were just never in that ball game to end the regular season. That really left a uh, – sour taste in the uh, defensive players' minds and in that locker room. Mm-hmm. And they came out to prove something, and they certainly did. I mean, they manhandled San Jose State for most of the game. And you know how bulls are, Phil. Once momentum shifts, it's hard to get it back. And to Coastal's credit, I mean, it was a 17-14 to 14 game. San Jose State worked in two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And then Sam Pinckney, Greenwood native, uh, playing in his last game for Coastal, may have had the most ridiculous touchdown catch I think I've ever seen. A one-handed yeah. catch in the back right corner of the end zone. Most of you probably missed it because I'm guessing that occurred what, around, oh, goodness, one thirty, two o'clock. <laughs> I was watching. Morning. I okay. was watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it? It was I, I yelled for catch. everybody when he made that catch. Yeah. <laughs> were you, were you down on that side of the field? Did you get a good up-close look at it? I was on that end of the field, but on the coastal sideline. So uh, it, the mm. touchdown he caught was on the San Jose State sideline, but I had a pretty good vantage point of it. Evidently, I have made the rounds on uh, Twitter or at least uh, Facebook because I actually called a touchdown uh, that Ethan Vasco uh, threw into Kendall Carr in the end zone, right corner of the end zone back in the, I guess it was the third quarter. I'm trying to remember. No, it must have been the. Second quarter. I'm trying. No, it's seven to nothing at halftime. So it must have been uh, one of Coastal's t- the other touchdown in the uh, in the third quarter that he caught right in the uh, corner, hit the uh, sidelines in the pylon at the same time. They reviewed it, and I said, "Guys, mm. that's a touchdown." It was right, literally right in front of me. It was about five feet away, so I had a pretty good vantage point of it. But yeah, uh, Coastal uh, to their credits, after just a, a really really poor performance and poor showing against James Madison, they had enough time to. Uh, to change it up, and they played really well. And, and also considering they, they lost so many guys to the transfer portal, you lose a, a wide receiver who's a tremendous playmaker, and Jared Brown, he was not available, didn't make the trip, getting ready to uh, join the Gamecocks. Uh, Grayson McCall did make the trip, never suited up, didn't play, but he was on the sidelines uh, trying to motivate his, his former team now as he's off to NC State. But I thought Vasco played very well, but you uh, tip of the cap to Coastal's defense. That's what won the game for them. Is Vasco going to be the quarterback moving forward? He's a young guy. He showed he showed a lot of good stuff with his arm and his legs. Can is he going to be the heir apparent? It's it's hard to get Tim back to agree on much of anything. He plays his card so close to the vest, and and they feel pretty confident in one of the guys they signed. A uh, guy out of in your neck of the woods, as a matter of fact, one of the quarterbacks they signed last week from the Bowles School down in Jacksonville. They're pretty high on him. But mm-hmm. I would think mm-hmm. going into the spring, clearly Ethan is is the guy because not only have you lost Grayson McCall, Jarrett Guest is also transferring out of the program. So he's the one with the most experience returning. Now, whether or not he's able to beat those guys out in the spring and in the fall remains to be seen. But I would say if, if they played again this coming Saturday, obviously he would be the uh, starter. And to me, he's the heir apparent going into next season. Now, what that means uh, between now and then, nobody knows. Okay, we got a jammed up, crammed up, busy, busy show tonight with a lot of great guests and a lot of terrific audio. And we're going to have uh, tonight football filibuster. Governor Hodges, Attorney General Wilson back for their bowl picks. We're picking 15 bowl games. So that gives 
them a chance in the football uh, filibuster and our pick them contest with our esteemed panel of pickers. We have 15 games to pick. We'll go over our picks tonight as well. I think I can can, can cram that into what we're doing tonight. Uh, 7.05, Chuck Reedy, Ellis Johnson, another edition of Chalk Talk, the bowl edition. Looking forward to hearing from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, 7.35, Coach John Combs. We talked some basketball because it's big basketball week in South Carolina. you got the Chick-fil-A, which began, and the beach ball, which began. So you got two primo national elite high school basketball tournaments mm-hmm. underway in the state. And so we're going to uh, talk about that as well. Got some recruiting for you coming up. Also, I mentioned we'll hear from Chris Rumpf. Uh, if possible, we'll get to some of those uh, comments from the uh, Kentucky offensive coordinator, uh, Liam Cohen, from yesterday. We didn't get to it last night. Uh, time permitting, we'll get to him uh, sometime uh, tonight as we try to work that in. But I want to begin at the beginning. How about that? Uh, I want to start with the return of the Terry Kennard uh, story with Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. So as you just to refresh uh, on his Facebook uh, going back to early last week, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Terry Kennard posted on his Facebook complaints about Dabo Sweeney's treatment of his son, Jaden, who – Jaden or Jalen? Jalen, I think it's Jalen, uh, who was transferring and I think headed to Coastal Carolina as a defensive back. But Terry Kennard, uh, the former Clemson great – uh, one of their all-time greats in their ring of honor in football, in their Hall of Fame, and a great NFL player as well, and a great high school player at Sumter High School. Just great. Um, he took umbrage to what he was told, some things that his son told him that Dabo Sweeney allegedly said to his son during practices here uh, in the bowl practices and apparently upsetting his son to the point where he goes to the dad and the dad posts some stuff on Facebook. and. At his um, bowl press conference, Dabo Sweeney was not asked directly during the press conference about that, but later uh, had a question. He, he was asked by reporters, and they, they issued a statement from Dabo Sweeney, um, which really, um, he really didn't. He just basically, I think, you know, denied uh, saying anything harsh or, or directly at uh, Terry Kennard's son. And so today on his Facebook, uh, Terry Kennard with his son uh, recorded a response to that. And at the, the first part, I'm not going to play uh, because he's just kind of rehashing what had been talked about before, had his son kind of describe a little more in detail about you know, what was allegedly said to him and you know, what they were doing on the practice field that might have led to uh, Dabo Sweeney coming over and saying some things to the group, to the group, and and some specifically to him. But we pick it up with uh, Terry Kennard talking, and his son is there as well. And he picks it up where he's talking about why he's going public with these complaints directed at Dabo Swinney, the Clemson head football coach, and what he believes is going over the top with um, language and attitude toward his son. Here's Terry Kennard. These things are uncalled for. These are personal attack on a young man for no reason at all. This is when we thought we needed to come forward and say something, all right, because <clears throat> the comments that he said to him, 
you know, if he's not that good of a player, you know, do for running for accountability, there's no call to compound it and continue to belittle someone. These things we thought were out of place, out of line, and we had to call them out on it. Um, we got a lot of negative comments, a lot of positive comments in regards to this effort. At no point <clears throat> are we attempting to, uh, to do harm to Clemson University or to tear down Coach Sweeney. All right, me as a father, like I stated, you know, in our statement, you know, if your son come to you and the coach is saying these things to him directly, there's no way I'm gonna let that go by. You know, what he said was out of line. We didn't like it, <clears throat> so we made a comment about it. Regardless of how you feel, one way or the other, um, Coach Sweeney, you know, made some personal attack on Jaden, and we thought it was out of line. So we. We thought we had to come forward and make a statement on it. Um, and <clears throat> and after that, you know, that wasn't all. I mean, doing that same final practice, uh, was there anything else that he said to you? Uh, he would continue to just keep badgering me and throwing personal shots, but I would later tune him out, and then he would walk away and come back and say more things like, uh, I have the ability to be good, but I'm just mentally weak. And he asked me, is is the thing with you right now is just like you feel like you haven't gotten any opportunities. Is that what it is? And basically just badgering me about stuff like that. All right. So, you know, and at that point, you know, that that just, that was destroyed the boat with Camelback. You know, there was no reason for him to come and make this personal attack on Jaden. For what reason? All right. <clears throat> we had made our decision. You know, Jaden wants to play football. All right. But our main focus was for Jaden to first and foremost, you know, get his degree, all right, but he wanted to continue to play football, so, you know, we decided we were going to transfer, all right, <clears throat> so that's the only reason, you know, we couldn't understand, you know, why this thing was taking place, was taking place uh, towards Jaden, uh, but it did, it happened, and it was uncalled for, and we thought he crossed the line in regards to the text that he made on him, um, because, you, you know, those kind of things, you know, those kind of comments, you know, Make it to a young adult, you know, that can do damage, you know, to your psyche that he can never come back from. But Jaden has a support group around him, all right, and the love of his family and friends, and for many, many, you know, people that work at Clemson that did a wonderful job, took great care of him, <clears throat> you know. At no point, you know, did we ever feel um, that he was unwanted, you know, from the staff and the people that surrounded Coach Sweeney. But for whatever reason, you know, he singled Jaden out and made these attacks against him, and we didn't think it was right, and we thought we had to speak up. And as a father, I did what I had to do. All right? I know, you know, people aren't, a lot of people not pleased with the fact that, you know, we came public with this, but he did these things in front of Jaden Peters. All right? So if it was, if he did this privately, then we would have handled it privately. But it was done publicly. All right, he was ridiculed in front of his teammates, and we don't expect anyone, any player, or anyone that heard him say these things to Jaden to come forward, you know, because that would be crazy, you know, because if he does it to Jaden, he'll do it to someone else, all right? <clears throat> we want to put this behind us, though, you know. <clears throat> we don't want to continue to go back and forth, all right? We made this video, whether or not you believe us, all right, that's up to you, all right? From this point on, though, we're going to go on and try to go on with our lives, all right?
try to find out the next chapter for Jaden. And we want to say thank you to everybody, you know, that, that supported us. All right. <clears throat> and um, in hopes that we can uh, put some closure on this and just go on and, and, and help Jaden to, to, to be the, the person that he want to be on the football field and off the football field. We wish Clemson, you know, all the luck, but uh, that's it for us. You know, we're done and we, we are not coming in on this anymore. All right, Terry Kennard, and I mean, look, I don't know if this, obviously I think it, uh, in some ways it's much ado about nothing because what's the end game here? What what can you possibly get out of this? Are you looking for some kind of an, a, pub, a public acknowledgement, private apology? Obviously Clemson's not going to do anything towards uh, Dabo Sweeney over this. It's not going to cost Dabo Sweeney any recruits. Um, it's not going to hurt Dabo Sweeney from a prestige standpoint among the Clemson faithful. Uh, but it is newsworthy and noteworthy that a Tiger great has now twice yeah. gone public with this. The part that I left out, because the whole thing was a little over seven minutes, the part I left out was about Jaden, his son, saying what uh, the language that Dabo Sweeney used, and it was profanity, and I could have run it, but I would have had to beeped it out anyway, you know, it begins with an S, ends with a Y, uh, and the word was used. Uh, he was that, that word was used. He alleged, you know, Sweeney called him that word um, and said that you know he lived a that word life and that you know he was practicing that word um, in that manner, um, and he, and he used that I think apparently with some of the other players that were designated to take part in this part of the practice because they had run afoul of some of the rules related to maybe um, academics or study hall or tutors and things, things that they, they, once you, I think you accumulate a certain number of, of negative points, you have to go through these drills. You know, he wasn't the only one apparently, but he felt singled out. Eventually he felt singled out. And this is, I guess the motivation here for them going public with this, not once, but twice. And I think the shocking part of it is that in modern history, Clemson football, the modern era, if you want to say the modern era of Clemson football was, begins in like 1975, let's say, um, Terry Kennard is one of the maybe, what, five greatest football players Easily. to ever put Easily. on a Clemson uniform. And, and to hear him... Uh, is he cutting his ties? I mean, I think he said they won't support the program like however they would support it. Um, to hear a guy of that magnitude, I mean, it'd be like George Rogers yeah. coming out and, you know, saying something about South Carolina if he had some sort of way, something, some complaint. Uh, or Jeff Grants or or, uh, or Marcus Lattimore, you know, one of the all-time greats. Yeah, yeah. so – well, Sterling has. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. I, that's but, my reference to. But, but maybe not. Maybe not that <laughs> severe. But uh, that, to me, why this is noteworthy, and I, I don't know. I don't know what they hope to get to gain from all this, other than this, this bit of uh, notoriety. I don't ever want to step on family. If if Terry Kennard feels like his son Jaden was wrongly uh, singled out, then that's his his 
his right as a father. He's protecting his son. I have no problem with that. The part that bothered me listening, if you go back and listen to what Terry Kennard had to say and just listen to his words, it wasn't that Jaden is looking at transferring. It was we are going to transfer. And when I start hearing parents sort of include themselves, in, and again, Terry Kennard has already proven everything he'll ever need to prove on the football field. But and So he's not living vicariously through his son, but it certainly sounds mm-hmm. like that. And, and what, Dabo yelled at his son? Is that where we are now? You can't even yell at a player anymore without getting some blowback? I remember when Frank Martin was at South Carolina. What was the biggest criticism? Woo. He talked loudly to players. Heaven forbid trying to get them better. And Dabo's probably looking at, at Terry Kennard and treating him differently because he's the son of one of the greatest players that ever stepped foot on that campus. Phil, if your son had decided to go into radio, don't you think some folks in our business would look and say, well, you're Phil Kornblut's son. You probably need to do it a little bit better than other people. I just I don't understand the end game here for Terry Kennard at all. And even if he feels like his son is mistreated uh, verbally, it's not like Dabo, Dabo didn't hit him, right? Well, there's no physical abuse. Where's that old saying about sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never hurt me? You can't take some criticism and getting yelled at. Is, is that where we are with players anymore? And I, I don't know the whole story. I'm just hearing half of what you know Terry Kennard had to say, and I read what he wrote on his Facebook page last week when this news came out. But it just sounds like a father who, was, who saw his son not getting the playing time that he expected because his last name happens to be Kennard, and so he's upset about it. And I just I don't see the end game at this at all. Now, if Dabo yeah. had gone out and physically assaulted him, I've got no problem yeah. with him being upset. But he yelled at yeah. him and five other guys on the scout team, give me a break. Well, look, super sensitive. I'm not in any way, uh, fashion, shape, or form comparing this to Northwestern. But no, exactly. after what or happened Penn at State Northwestern, or any stuff, yeah. Right, not comparing at all. But I'm just saying that, you know, people are super sensitive to anything today uh, when it comes to athletic teams and anything that a coach might do or say that can be construed as being across whatever line they want to draw. It's a personal mm-hmm. line, I guess. Everybody's got their own don't cross this line that I've drawn, and if you do, you know, I'm going to erupt about it. So, um, I don't know. This will be something, you know, you, you heard Terry say at the very end, this will be their last comment about this. So, I would imagine, unless we ask Dabo Sweeney that. about it tomorrow at the <laughs> press conference tomorrow, and I think I will, but it's not going to be about – I mean, he's already said what he's going to say probably about what's been – alleged here, but I would like mm-hmm. to know, has he tried to talk to Terry Kennard? From what I understand, that's an Jeff, interesting De- question, yeah. Jeff Davis is Jeff Davis is Terry Kennard's like best friend, uh, or very close friend, maybe best friend, you know, the great Clemson linebacker who's at mm-hmm. Clemson. I saw him I saw him on the sideline today. And you would think that if there were a problem that he would have gone to Jeff Davis and said, Hey Jeff, you know, I'm having this problem. My son's having this problem with Dabo. Can you help me out here somehow, right. you know? Now, look, I'm an outsider. We're, out, we're outsiders. We don't know the inner workings of the Clemson program, you know, how this thing all goes. You know, when you have a, a – and, and I got to believe this isn't the first player at Clemson to be taken aback by something that was said to them by a coach, you know. Um, but this, this is, I think, one of the few times – well, there was that time back like in the early 20s when those – you had a, a – couple of players and it cost Danny Pierman his job on the 
on the coaching yep. staff. Remember yep. that? I remember that. Yep, sure do. And and they called out Dabo Sweeney, and nothing ever came of it from Dabo Sweeney's standpoint. Danny Pierman got reassigned for, from what I, I understand, just repeating a word that should not be spoken, but he only now, his repeated word, it because the players themselves were saying yeah. it. But his word well, is the I one understand. we all know you can't you can't utter, period. Uh, that that's a no no, yeah. and that's going to get you into trouble. My guess is, as you pointed out, Dabo used some profanity, and again, talked loudly. Allegedly, to his allegedly. Yeah, now this is exactly. alleged by them. You know, make that clear. We weren't there. Nobody mm, else has no. come forward to say anything. You know, it's not like we're seeking out other witnesses in this particular case. But again, well, speaking of that. This is, is this player? is no, this is notable because of who it's involving. If this was mm-hmm. if this were some, you know, some uh, uh, former Clemson player who was a third team uh, never player, but just was wore a Clemson uniform, that'd be one thing. But this is oh, Terry yeah. Stinkin' Kennard. Is there know? any player availability the rest of the week? I'd be curious to see if any of the current players had anything to say about that because I'm sure they were. Oh, there. I don't know. They, they had a bunch of them today, but I had to leave. So right. a bunch of players were made available today. Uh, this was it. So I don't know if they were asked about it or not. Probably not. Football filibusters coming up after the break. Welcome back, everybody, into Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, here on this Wednesday night, a couple of days after Christmas, rolling towards the new year and rolling into the heart of bowl season. And for that, it's time to share with you the thoughts of two of the great thinkers of our time in South Carolina, two of the great political leaders, and two men outstanding in the field of picking college football games. We welcome in former Governor Jim Hodges and current Attorney General Alan Wilson. First of all, Merry Christmas delayed, and uh, or I should say maybe uh, after the fact. And Happy New Year to you, Governor. Welcome in, sir. Good to have you. Same to you, Phil, and uh, the General. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah to you, and uh, Happy New Year. Really excited about uh, what this bowl season is going to give us. Absolutely. General, welcome in. Hope you had a great Christmas. Looking forward to a terrific new year. We, we had a wonderful holiday, Phil. Thank you for saying that. And looking forward to the new year and all the new resolutions that we're probably going to break in the first 30 days. But uh, also, <laughs> I, I always love the way Phil introduces us, Governor, you know, these two brilliant political leaders and, and, and strategists. And I'm like, has he replaced Governor Hodges and me already with two new guys? Well, you notice I didn't mention uh, any current political front runners anywhere connected to our state, so we'll just kind of let it roll with you two guys for the time being. <laughs> Considering the, the governor has run his last race, and uh, and typically, general, you don't have anybody running against you, so it's you know it's pretty much a a, a walk in the field for you. Well, it's certainly peaceful this time of year. I'll say that. <clears throat> there you go. There you go. Well, we're going to pick fifteen games. So there's bound to be some differing opinions here. Uh, last time out, regular season, the two of you went two and three each. So there was no movement. Uh, Governor, 37 and 33. General, 34, 36. So do the math. 
you're three games behind, or Governor, you're three games ahead. I understand that the keepers of the Corn Cup, with their white gloves on, they have moved the Corn Cup over to uh, the Governor's mansion there, where his wherever he lives is a mansion, and uh, and they've got it shined up and and ready for uh, retention if the Governor's able to win out here during bowl season. Governor, your thoughts on that? They are so confident in my success tonight that they they have put it in the cabinet and they have locked it. That's how confident <laughs> they are of my, my winning tonight. <laughs> nice. Well, General, you you've you've got to kind of live dangerously here. I'd say, just a little bit. Hey, look, a lot of re- like credit where credit's due, and a lot of respect to the governor. I mean, he's great at this at calling games. I've done this with him for a number of years, and uh, you know, I I don't know that I, I've never beat him, but I've. I don't think I've ever been this close going into the final stretch. So um, the fact that I'm only three games down with 15 to pick tells me I'm still in the hunt, so I can live with that. Governor, have you never lost to the general? Have you never lost to the general in this competition? I don't don't think so, but, you know, it's – it's just with 15 games, you're right. It's just, you you know, we're each bound to miss a few and – what adds more to it is just the fact that you don't know who's going to play in a lot of these games. I mean, you're finding out at the last minute people are opting out. And, and Phil, in all all honesty, some people are born with good looks. Others are born with luck. And the governor got the luck, so. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And you are a good bit younger there, General, so let's let's keep that in mind. The, the aging process really hasn't thumped you yet, so, okay? But your time is oh, coming. Oh, I'm a lot older inside. <laughs> but keep in mind now the odds that we're playing with here were set when the matches were set. But, like, you know, this Florida State team that's going to play in the Orange Bowl in no way resembles the, the Florida State team that went 13-0, and you know. This yeah. is a JV Florida State team that's going to take the field against Georgia. And we got a lot of that uh, throughout these teams. So, all right, let's get at it. We'll start uh, at the bottom and work our way up. Let's go with Louisville against Southern Cal. Southern Cal is getting seven and a half. Uh, General, we'll let you uh, lead off here. Go right ahead. Well, this one I thought a lot about, um, and I looked at the uh, at Louisville's record against the spread, and this is kind of interesting. They're one and nine in the last ten games, and zero and two this Ooh. season against non teams. Uh, but USC has such a bad defense. I'm going to go with USC's bad defense on this one, and I'm going to say Louisville's going to cover. Mm. Now, Gov- uh, General, you know I have to penalize you for referring to Southern Cal as USC on these airwaves. You know, I, I just as I said it, I realized it, and I'm like, okay, how many votes? Did I- <laughs> you cannot call Southern Cal USC in this state or on this show. How many times do I have to tell you? But you want Southern Cal? Did you say you wanted Southern Cal and the points? I, no, I wanted Louisville. You want Louisville lay the points? Okay, Louisville lay the points. Consider yourself thrashed for your misstep there. Uh, Governor, what do you think, sir? I'm with him on that. I, you know, they have no, their quarterbacks gone. Their defense is bad. Um, I think uh, Louisville is going to win this game by ten points. All right, you both want Louisville. Okay, Governor, Oklahoma State laying. A, a, no, I'm sorry. Oklahoma State is getting two points versus Texas A&M. So Texas A&M is a two-point favorite. I'm going to take the mullet, man. I'm taking um, Gundy in this game. I, they were spanked pretty bad in their last game against Texas. 
and uh, I think they're smarting from that. He's a pretty good coach, and A&M certainly is having some transitions going on right now. I'll take uh, the Cowboys. So you want Oklahoma State, General? What yeah. do you like here? I'm I'm with the governor. Um, the Aggies <laughs> lost a bunch of players in the portal, and I think they're down to what their third, fourth string quarterback. I can't remember, but um, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State on this one. All right, both of you taking Oklahoma State so far. You're not doing yourself any good there, uh, General. Let's go to SMU and Boston College, and Boston College is getting ten and a half points, General. Well, Boston's kind of got the home court advantage, and they're going to be playing in, in cold weather, which is what they're used to, and SMU's not. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I definitely feel like SMU will win the game, but I'm going to I'm going to say that they're going to keep it pretty close, so give me Boston for the points. Okay. All right. Governor? I'm going to take SMU. This is a matchup of uh, mm-hmm. new ACC compatriots here, but uh, BC's not impressed me, and SMU's pretty darn good. So I'll take them. You got them. Of course, they play at Gerald Ford Stadium, so maybe there's a little political connection there on the opposite side for you. Uh, NC State, Kansas State, and it is um, Kansas State is favored by two and a half. Governor, NC State, Kansas State. Dave Dorn is growing on me in these uh, games. Uh, I'm going to take NC State. I mean, Kansas State's pretty good, but the point spread's tight, and Doran does not seem to have lost a lot of players, and he's pretty feisty. Uh, so I'll take NC State. All right, General? Yeah, uh, I'm with the governor. I, I know I'm not doing any favors for myself right now, but that's why God and, and, and Phil Cornblue invented amendment. Um, I'm going to stick with NC State. <laughs> um, you know, both schools lost a lot of players. I mean, the, the, the transfer portal and, the, and, these, and a lot of players are opting out, and, but I just think K-State lost a lot more players uh, to the to opting out and, and to the portal than, than NC State. So I think NC State will cover. Okay. General has done some homework during the holiday here. Uh, Notre Dame, Oregon State, uh, General, and the uh, the Beavers, they're getting six. Um, I'm going to go with Notre Dame on this. Um, I, Notre Dame's got a better um, point, a, a better record against the spread than uh, – than uh, Oregon, and uh, I really don't have a whole lot more to go into that. Other than that, I think then Notre Dame win uh, pretty handedly against Stanford, and I think Oregon lost badly in their last game, and so I feel like Notre Dame's coming in with a little bit of momentum, so I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Okay. Fighting Irish. Uh, Governor, you say what? <coughs> I agree. I mean, they no DJ, no chance for Oregon State, mm. so we're going to take Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Maybe DJ can transfer to Florida State in time to play quarterback for him. Uh, Maryland and Auburn. Auburn is favored by seven, Governor. Maryland, Auburn. This is a tough one for me. I'm going to take Auburn. I just you – know, Hughes is a really good coach. And uh, I think after the way their, game, their season ended with the uh, Alabama game, they've got a bad taste in their mouth. So I'm going to take Auburn. Okay. General? I, I like I said, I'm going with the picks I initially went with. I'm not. I know I'm not doing myself any favors, but I do agree with the governor on this one, and uh, and I picked mm-hmm. Auburn. Auburn again. You can amend. You can amend later. Yeah. Let's go to uh, Wisconsin and LSU. LSU here is favored by ten over Wisconsin, and I believe General, you 
have the first pick here, Wisconsin, LSU. LSU favored by 10. I think I think uh, Jaden Daniels is going to lead LSU to a victory. Give me LSU. LSU not, not laying the victory, 10, Governor. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Governor, I think, LSU. I think it, I, yeah, LSU for me, too. I think LSU is going to win that one. LSU laying the 10. All right, Governor, Iowa and Tennessee. Tennessee, Joe Milton opting out, going to play the freshman for the first time. Uh, they were favored by eight. Uh, Tennessee by eight over Iowa. What do you think? Does anybody care that Joe Milton has opted out? I mean, it's just he's not he's not in that great a year. Uh, I mean, Iowa's offense is awful, but I think mm-hmm. the defense is pretty darn good. And I'm I think I'm going to pick Iowa here. I think Tennessee will Ooh. win it, but eight points seems a little bold. Give you the points, okay, General? Well, I uh, th- this is where I'm going to park the governor. Um, I do think it is a bold. Uh, statement, but I feel like a an SEC Tennessee that's eight and four against uh, a Big Ten Iowa that's ten and three. I like those odds. I think Tennessee can cover the eight, and so give me Tennessee. Tennessee, you have. We go to Ohio State and Missouri, and the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes here are favored by one. Uh, General Ohio State Missouri Buckeyes favored by one. Okay, so as you guys know, and I say this every time I'm picking for or against Missouri, I'm, I have a bias. My wife went to Missouri, um, mm-hmm. and so I don't know that she's listening to this radio program right now. I hope, I hope to God not, uh, because I'm <laughs> going with Ohio State. Um, this is the first SEC school I'm picking against tonight, uh, but I just I feel like that's a that plus one. Um, you know, Ohio State, that is such a close – it was basically a coin toss for me. And I just feel mm-hmm. like Ohio State has been in this rare air more than Missouri has in the last 10 years. So I'm going to go with Ohio State. All right, Governor. I'm going with Mizzou on this. I, I think this is a magic season for them. You know, great running back, good quarterback, pretty solid mm-hmm. all the way around. And, of course, Ohio State lost their quarterback to the portal. Uh, so I'm going to take Mizzou in what is probably a little bit of an upset. Yeah, that, that might be a good call. That might be. Let's go to Penn State, Ole Miss. And Ole Miss is getting four against Penn State, Governor. Yeah, this is a hard one for me. I, I, a friend of mine told me today he was going to the, going to the Peach Bowl. He was a, uh, got some connection to Penn State. I'm going to take Penn State. I, it's just There's something about Ole Miss in games like this. I mean, we know Penn State plays pretty good defense. Uh, so I'm going to take Penn State. Okay. Uh, uh, General, what you got here? Penn State, Ole Miss, Ole Miss getting four. Um, I'm with the governor again. Um, I'm going Penn State. I read a stat earlier that Penn State um, has only allowed 20 trips inside the red zone this season. Um, I think they're pretty stout, so I'm going to go with Penn State. Okay. We go to Florida State and Georgia, or the team formerly known as Florida State against Georgia. (laughs) Georgia favored by 14-and-a-half. I think that line probably has been adjusted upward quite a bit. Um, General, what do you think here, based on what we knew at the time, Georgia favored by 14-and-a-half? Well, yeah. um, I struggled with this one. I know y'all probably thought it was a little easier. Um, I do think Georgia's going to win this game. Um, Do they win it by more than 14? I imagine the governor may go the other way on this one, so I'm going to stick with um, Florida State. Um, I do oh. think Georgia's going to win by 10 to 14 points, um, but I, I think that they can keep it interesting. Okay, Florida I mean, State it is. 
I mean, this is the first undefeated Power Five conference champion not to make it to the playoffs, is it not? I mean, they're not they're not bad. Yeah, but 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 this they've lost so many. Like they don't have their quarterback. They don't have I'm, their top receivers. They don't have their top running backs, et cetera. They've lost so many players. They're a shell of themselves. They, they 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 have lost a lot, but I think they got something to play for. They can be the first national champion not to play in a national championship game if things break the other way for these <laughs> other um, conference playoff schools. They in UCF, right. and Phil, that line has moved. Yeah. It's now nineteen and a half. Yeah, State, I figured, uh, but I can't. Underdog. We're locked in. When I send the sheet out, I love we're 14. locked in. You know, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Governor. What you got? You know, this, I'm, I'm taking Georgia. This Florida State reminds me a little bit of. You, you, Phil, you'll remember this. Years ago, Hawaii had a pretty good football team and made it to like the Sugar Bowl, and everybody said Hawaii's going to do great, and they got the hell beat out of them by Georgia mm-hmm. or someone else. I just I think this is a huge mismatch, and Georgia is upset about not getting in to the Final Four. Um, I just I think this is at least a three-touchdown game. Yeah. Yeah, both of them are kind of angry. Uh, let's go to Oregon Liberty. Liberty getting 17 here against the Ducks. Uh, Governor, what do you think? A lot of points, but I'm still going to take Oregon in this game. I, I think they're really good. they got pretty good defense, <coughs> and uh, certainly they can play some offense. So I'll take uh, the Ducks. All right, General? Uh, give me Oregon. You want the Ducks. You got the Ducks. Both of you want the Ducks. Okay, let's go to Michigan, Alabama. Let's get to the playoffs. Michigan, Alabama, and Alabama's getting a point and a half, General. Uh, Alabama. Uh, this is a coin toss for me. You know, Michigan's very strong. Um, I just feel like Bama's been there before, and they, they've got something to prove. So, give me Alabama. Uh, Governor? Michigan, Bama. I'm with I'm with him all the way on this one. I think Alabama. This is a team of destiny right now, and uh, I think they'll beat Michigan. Okay, uh, Washington and Texas. Texas favored by four. Governor, um, I'm going to take Washington. I think Texas may win, but I just sort of think this is a field goal game, and a mm-hmm. uh, great senior quarterback. Um, I'm going to take Washington. Washington and General Washington or Texas General? I want to say General Washington. General Washington or Texas? (laughs) Yeah, Texas jumped a lot of spots to be in this game. Um, I'm I'm, I'm with the governor on this. I'm going to go with Washington. Washington. Okay, that takes us to the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, noon on Friday. And General, it is Kentucky getting five against Clemson. What do you think? I think Clemson clears it by a touchdown. Clemson by a touchdown. Governor, what do you think, sir? I'm with him on that. I think Dabo will have them ready to play, and um, I think they'll win it by a touchdown. All right, let's quickly jump to amendments here. General, anything you'd like to change down the line here to give yourself a chance? (laughs) Well, I'm going to go ahead and switch my Michigan-Alabama but just because the point spread so close, it's basically a point, a, a coin toss. So I'm going to switch that mm-hmm. one up. That gives us a difference of five, right? Yeah. Sounds right. Sounds right. And then let's see um, where else did we uh, got to mix things up a little bit. Um, How about Maryland Auburn or NC State? How about NC State, Kansas State? That's only two and a half. NC State. Let me find that. NC State and Kansas State. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah let me go with that one. Um, give me a K-State on that. That's, give me Kansas that's a pick on us. Yeah, that's reasonable. That's pretty close. That looks like a pick on the man. Yeah. And, and let me pick – there's one more I'm going to pick. Just I'm going to get a little ambitious here. Um, I thought that um, – the LSU Wisconsin spread. That that I mean, I do think I do think LSU is going to win, and I initially picked them to cover that ten point spread. But since that's a little bit high, and just to keep things interesting, um, I'm going to switch LSU to Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. That's another that's difference maker difference right there. there. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the only other close the only other close one I see is Oklahoma State versus Texas A and M, but I think I'm going to hold there. I think I, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different seven different now. So I think we're pretty mm-hmm. good. Governor, how about you? You good with anything that you uh, agree with on with the general? Anything you want to change? I don't think so. I mean, some of these it's just hard to pick because of you know whether people are going to play. I mean, we just these are all hard <laughs> to pick in these bowl games. So I'm going to stick with what I picked. Gentlemen, we thank you so much. Have a great New Year's. Good luck with your picks, and we'll see who wins the coveted Corn Cup for 2023. We thank you as always. Happy New Year. Good luck. Happy New Year, Mike. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to the two of you. We thank you. There you go. See if the general can make up the three-game spread and uh, get his hands, as everybody does. Everybody want to get gets their hands on the Corn Cup see if that happens we'll be back after this break don't go away i'm attorney jim corbett that's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck i've been an attorney for more than 30 years helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks if you have serious injuries call jim corbett 803-765-2968 or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com that's c-o-r-b-e-t-t i don't get paid unless i recover for you jim corbett attorney for your best recovery from a big hit 803-765-2968 or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com This year's Carolina and Clemson Jackpot $5 scratch-off tickets give you a chance to win up to $200,000, whether you're a Gamecock or a Tiger. Plus, you can enter your tickets into the Second Chance promotion for a chance to step on the field or the court to win $50,000, $75,000, or even $100,000. In this state, winning the Palmetto Series does matter that much, so get your tickets today. See SCEducationLottery.com for odds and details. Winning and non-winning tickets can be entered. Second Chance odds depend on number of entries received. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation 
that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. All right, thanks again to the governor and the general for being with us tonight for the uh, another edition of the football filibuster. Their insights, for what it's worth, into this weekend of football. Uh, this note from Clemson practice, because I left before, uh, well, as players were being brought over, I listened to Chris Rumpf, did some stuff with him, but didn't get a chance to uh, hear the players. But Antonio Williams, Chapel Fowler from the state, one of the reporters out there, has uh, info from Antonio Williams, who's going to redshirt this year, will not play more than four games. He said he isn't 100% healthy, uh, but will definitely play in the Gator Bowl. Uh, has a toe injury he suffered in October. Uh, how much he'll play, he says they'll they'll see. They'll see during the game how much he can play. So uh, having him back and having uh, Tyler Brown, yeah, and having Tyler Brown uh, and Brenning Stool um, and having um, Spectre back, I believe he's going to be able to play in this one. I think Sweeney has said he'll be back able to play. Uh, I mean, that, that should be a nice boost to their passing game. That should help Klubnik. Uh, in the passing game. Um, but they're going to come out and run the ball. I think they're gonna, both teams are going to try and establish the run here. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I would take the under. I don't know what it's been. I haven't checked to see what it sits at right now, but I think I would definitely take the under. I think, you know, Clemson's defense is what it is, and Clemson's going to try and run the ball, have long drives. I'm thinking like maybe like a 24-14 to 14 kind of thing. Top of the hour break. Be back in a moment. Don't go away. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on a busy Wednesday night. Lots to come your way, so stay with us all the way to the end tonight. Recruiting, uh, some Chris Rumpf uh, comments, uh, catch up on some other new news notes and things like that. Right now, though, it's time to, to dive deeper into this Clemson and Kentucky game as well as the bowl season in general as we welcome in for another edition of Chalk Talk, Coach Chuck Reedy and Coach Ellis Johnson. Great to have them with us once again, Coach Reedy. Good evening, sir. Hope you had a great Christmas, and welcome back. How are you? Well, I did, Phil, and I uh, hope you did as well. Good to be back with you. You're back. You're down yes, there in my, my, part of, my part of the country. I was going to say, Fernandina Beach, the home of uh, Rick Stockstill. I, I thought maybe it was your home, but you're from St. Augustine. Yeah, 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 Jeff, and, and well, and even 
even more importantly now, the home of Terrence Flagler. And he was at practice today, Terrence Flagler was. I know that. Uh, Coach McCorby sent me a picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, did you were you the recruiter in charge of gaining Terrence Flagler's signature back in the day? That is, that is correct. If I'm not mistaken, your running back room after you signed him, that particular class was insane. Well, I signed, and I, I say I, we signed Terrence and we signed Kenny Flowers. We also mm-hmm. signed the same year Steve Griffin, who was the mm-hmm. player. We signed David Barnett, who was a player a year in South Carolina, and Stacy Driver out of Griffin. Now, why we signed five, I do not know. And trying to coach all five of them, along with uh, Cliff Austin and Chuck McSwain, was a little bit uh, challenging. How'd you keep them happy? There, there was no transfer portal. Of course, they could transfer, sit out a year, but I don't think, uh, didn't they all pretty much stayed with you? They all, well, like you said, there was no transfer portal. They did all stay. But did I keep them all happy? No, I'm sure that I didn't. <laughs> there wasn't any way to keep them happy. But anyway, it all worked out, you know, as it turned out. Uh, of course, Terrence was a first-round draft pick. Kenny was a second-round draft pick. And, um, you know, Stacy Driver had a great career. And, um, you know, Steve Griffin, you know, was a heck of a player. Just, you know, he just mm-hmm. got kind of lost in the shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Let's welcome in Coach Ellis Johnson, who never had great players to coach back in his day. Uh, welcome in, Coach. How are you? Well, my problem, I would sign them and I'd go coach somewhere else. I, was, I, I didn't understand. I wasn't the smartest Chuck was. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would hit the transfer portal. You were in the coach's portal. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, I got put in the portal three times, I think. I'd have to go back and check maybe more than that. But it wasn't voluntary. <laughs> um, how was your Christmas, sir? Everything go well? Everything was good. All three kids got in. I've got three kids in college. If anybody wants to donate to the NIL fund. But, uh, yeah, it was nice. Great. Well, let's talk about Clemson and Kentucky. Chuck, from uh, where you see it, uh, Clemson, the their offense, um, getting ready to play this Kentucky team, um, I think it's going to be two teams going to try and run the football a good bit, probably a low-scoring game, kind of lean on the defense. Clemson kind of play it like they did the Carolina game where get a lead, kick field goals if you have to, play field position, hope your punter can keep them backed up, make them drive long field. Um, what do you think? Anything there makes sense? No, I think you nailed it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we'll the- talk to you tomorrow. Next, next question. <laughs> I think they're going to do what they, you know, the last four games of the year. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to pretty much keep the ball out of Klubnik's hands. And I don't mean that, you know, but they're going to not going to put the game in his hands. Let's put it that way. They're going to run the football and 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 play to their defense. Um, you know, and and that's been worked for them. And you know, I think it'll work for them again Friday. Uh, defensively, Ellis uh, Clemson loses what? four starters off their defense do you see the potential of a drop off there are their young guys good enough and ready enough to step in and fill the holes i think they'll make athletic plays but i think it is a concern for the overall consistency and you know uh, playing consistent 
28th, uh, they're down to two scholarship corners at practice. And, uh, you know, any little thing happens and one of those are out, you know, you've got kids working over there just in case they have to go in that don't even play the position. They did play at some point in time. But uh, I, I don't know. I watch all these bowl games. I'm watching North Carolina now. It just mm-hmm. they're different football teams. You know, they're not even the same teams without their quarterbacks and with some of their key players gone. Of course, we've watched this for four or five years. And it's just the way it is these days. Uh, you know, I think Clemson trying to run the football on that Kentucky defense will be a challenge. They can run it on about anybody, but I don't know if they can run it the way they did against South Carolina. Kentucky, that's that's where they're good. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. I just don't I just don't know who all is playing. I'm not even sure that Devin Larry is playing starting quarterback for Kentucky. I can't keep up with all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've read where Florida State and Georgia, between the two of them, there's been 40 combinations of transfers and opt-outs for the for the Orange Bowl. I mean, and you hate it. Don't you hate it for the bowl game and Absolutely. for the the fans? I mean, the, the teams that they're going to be there rooting for will only be their team in, in, in name only because the, a lot of the players that were key for them getting there will be sitting at home watching it on television. They're both two teams that have a legitimate gripe of not being in the 14 playoff. And, and they, mm-hmm. you know, I think they got the right four, but those two guys could have been in there easily. And as soon as they're not, you know, a third of their great playmakers are gone. And fans still expect to go in there and win a bowl game. And really the coaches, what they're trying to do is identify some young players and get a lot of good practice time and hope they can get some consistency out on the field. Uh, Chuck, this is a situation that's just grown and grown and grown from the first time we had opt-outs, which I think goes back to the days of Leonard Fournette and um, um, uh, what's his name, uh, McCaffrey. McCaffrey. I think, yep. yeah, I think those might have been like the first couple. And people just said, "Well, this is an individual thing. It's not going to really, you know, grow into anything." And, and of course, like everything in college football, it always mushrooms uh, over time, and more and more people now. Are allowed to do it, and there's there's no ramifications of, of, about doing that except what you leave behind. So there is, I mean, there truly is no answer for this situation. You can't no longer tell the players not to leave to transfer or not to leave to go to the NFL draft or just sit at home and and not want to play in a bowl game. No, I mean, it, like you said, it's mushroomed, and uh, you know, and and you know you. The coaches now, I mean, they basically accept it. And, you know, you, I saw where Joe Milton's not going to play. And, you know, you know, they said, oh, he's with us. You know, he's going to be on the sideline. You know, well, you know that, that's great, you know. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're going to have an opportunity to you know, play their, their, their young, their freshman quarterback. So, but, um, no, I mean, I think it, you know, it, it, the whole thing, the transfer portal, all of it, I mean, just, you know, there there's just no – commitment no loyalty you know like there was you know maybe maybe eight ten years ago i mean it's all of that's gone i mean it's it's you know it's all about you know all about me and what's best for me and um you know it's it's sad it really is because um the 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 game that ellis and i have known forever and you as well phil you know it it's Mm -hmm. gone i mean those things are gone and, and they're not ever coming back do you think, Ellis, 
You're right. We're going through this transition, and we don't know where this is going to land. But it's going to land one day somewhere, somehow, in some shape or form, whether it's, you know, complete professionalism. It already is complete professionalism, I guess, but more refined professionalism with some actual guardrails and rules and timelines where, where things can be done. Do you think when everything is finally put in place and you've got this college professional football league that it's going to work and we're going to find a happy medium here where people, I mean, look, people are still watching on television. They're watching the NFL. Like 30 million people watched the Raiders and the and and the Chiefs the other day. Uh, people are still watching it, and, and that is the driving force behind everything, right, is, is television. As long as the TV numbers stay up and the TV dollars keep flowing, where's the problem? Is that what people are going to say? Well, at this point in time, I think it is. And as long as we get that TV money, it's fine. But I, this thing keeps going the way it's going. On the money side of it, it's going to be like when I was about five or six years old. It's going to be about 20 teams in America, and nobody can play with them. I mean, you, Clemson or Carolina went out and played Nebraska in the late 60s. Go ahead and chalk it up for a 50, 60-point bucket. I mean, it was just that much different. They were closer to the Citadel than they were to Nebraska and Oklahoma. And it's going to do that again because they had all the money back then for different reasons. But now that the NIL's opened up, can of worms, they're going to have all the money for other reasons. Uh, what my concern on it is, and I know TV fans don't give a rip, it's going to destroy the down levels of football from group of five to one double A and on down. It's just going to it's going to eat it like a cancer. Now, what I think if Baker gets his way, he's trying to you know he's trying to get it to where the schools can literally control the NIL money. When that happens, I think the next step. And this is just me. I know there's a lot of people smarter than me trying to fix this. But next step, they're going to make them employees, and then they're going to have some controls on them. And they're going to be able to cut some things or whatever else. But they're not like the NFL owners. They can't go to Congress as a business and ask for some antitrust laws and such. Congress doesn't have time for them. And it, I don't know. It's just a mess. I think a lot of real real intelligent people screwed it up. And I think, you know, they, like they always do. If they think mm-hmm. Washington's going to solve it, check that. Yeah, I agree there. Chuck, you were at Clemson with Terry Kennard. Uh, what do you make of this? Th- these posts, first the, the written post and today a video post with his son about he's claiming that Dabo Sweeney has singled out his son for harsh treatment at Clemson. And, of course, the son is transferring. But w- what's your take on that? What, what do you, you know him probably as well as anybody from your coaching days. Well, I, you know, I know Terry very well. Terry's, you know, a wonderful person, with, obviously with a great player. Um, you know, <laughs> what I used to tell my coaches uh, at Baylor and at Goose Creek or wherever I was, uh, when you're dealing with parents, they're irrational. Don't don't try don't try to be rational with them because when 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 it's their children. They're going. They're you know. They're they're not. You're, you're not going to be able to relate to them very. I mean, you know, the parent. It's a different animal, and you know, Harry. You know, I, I don't know anything about what happened, and but you know, when it's it's his child, you know, you know, and he's going to be you know totally 
you know, he's going to be irrational about it. I mean, that's just the oh. way it is with, with your children. And, you know, you, you, you know, that's, that's the way it is. I, and so I don't know, I, like I said, I don't know anything about it. It was a, obviously it's been a, you know, very bad situation. Um, but, you know, it is, you know, I, I don't know what, what to say about it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Ellis don't know what he's hoping to accomplish by all this because nothing's going to come of it from a Clemson standpoint. What are they going to do? They're not going to do anything to anybody about anything over this. So you just kind of wonder what he had in mind as an end game for this when they first posted on Facebook their complaints. Well, I think Chuck already summed it up. You know, I mean, he's a great player and and a good band. I I coached against him in high school. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were at a camp together opposing teams. He's a good young man when he's there. It's just like Chuck said, you get a different blindness. I've just now got kids in college. I coached for 30-something years before I had them in college. I go back and think of some of the things I said to kids now, and I wouldn't dare say it to them simply because now I'm a parent. And I understand you just don't do that. And, and it, it's just part of it. But I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to talk about it on the air. My mm-hmm. son was in the same group. He got disciplined. And I know exactly what happened. And Dabo hasn't done a single thing unfair to anybody. Now, he may have some freckles, but if there's one thing Dabo Sweeney is not, it is unfair or abusive or tough on players. Good stuff. You want to continue? Is that it? I'll do it on the radio. You're on the radio. You just did it. <laughs> no, that's what I said. I've said all I'm going to say on the radio. But I, I can just tell you, nobody uh-huh. got mistreated. Okay. Let's turn our attention finally to the final four, gentlemen, and what you see happening in the semifinals. Chuck, who you got playing for the championship? Did we lose, Coach? He okay. is gone Ellis? to the Caribbean again. <laughs> <laughs> Ellis, who you got playing for the championship? I thought you were going to ask this. I thought, let me figure this thing out. I feel, I swear, but all these players in and out, that was a problem with yeah. battle games that are not in the playoffs. But these are playoffs. And it's kind of like the World Series when they have these playoffs in two out of threes, which is not enough for baseball. You don't know. Somebody's going to be hot and somebody's not. My gut feeling is Michigan's going to beat Alabama, Texas is going to beat Washington, and Texas is going to beat Michigan. I'm just guessing, though. I'll be honest with you, I couldn't never had an unsure feeling about this more than I do now. Yeah. These are all You're really right. good it's... teams. Really yeah. good teams. They all got dangerous quarterbacks or either consistent quarterbacks. They're really good on defense. Uh, I pulled out all the stats on them today because I thought I'd get asked. I'm thinking, I can't find anything that sort of says this team's going to separate itself. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, <clears throat> you know, you could – spitball for any of the four um, and, and come away with a good pick. Um, have we got Chuck back with us? Coach, are you with us? Coach Reedy? Is he back with us? Oh, okay. We may have to go because we got to go to the break. So I'll have to get him to text me his picks there for the final four if we don't get him back here in the next uh, 30 seconds. Is he back with us or no? 
No. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, Ellis, uh, how much football? You said you've watched every every bowl game. Are you clued into every bowl game at this oh, point? Gosh, no. Gosh, no. I've oh. probably seen pieces of about five or six. And, uh, you yeah. know, still, it's great to be able to watch football, field. But, again, you just – sometimes these teams, there are two or three players starting that hadn't played maybe more than 50 plays this year. And it's just a whole different thing watching bowl season now with the way things yeah. have changed. Yeah. Well, and the other thing to me, too. Sitcoms. It's still better than watching sitcoms or WNBA, so I'm glad they're on. <laughs> you, could, you could have left that out. But here's one thing I was going to say, too. Correct me if you think I'm wrong. Um, the, the offenses are so similar amongst all the teams. I mean, they're all running pretty much all running RPOs and uh, – you know, quick slants and, and quick screen passes, and um, do you do you do you think the the offenses have gotten to the point where there's so so much copycatting out there that they're like you don't have <clears throat> you know one team you would run a triple option or one team would run run a veer because the running game's been practically eliminated from the importance of, of college football and football in general. Do, you see what I'm saying? Do, do all the offenses sort of yeah. look alike to you? Sort of. I, I get your point. I mean, it's like you know, thirty five. Years ago, the wishbone was invented, and then the split back there, you know, there was some really innovative things that hit football, and it would take the defenses like four or five years to catch up with them. And it's, it's kind of like now, they've invented everything that can be invented. Uh, the teams that are successful are the ones that can run the football and have a quarterback who can really throw the ball when he has to on third down. And if you're missing either one of those things, Defenses have caught up. Uh, it, the one thing I will say that you hardly ever see anymore, unless you watch the service academy or something, you don't see three backs in the backfield. You don't see a lot of big personnel out there. So everybody's playing speed and, and you know, and length on defense. And you'll see some exciting plays on offense, but you're not seeing, you know, the back-breaking plays. The 50-yard touchdowns and all that is frequently because defenses have gone more to speed. And they're, they're getting out the quarterbacks, and they're not playing with the big old 380-pound nose tackles. They're putting guys out there that can get to the quarterback and perimeter players that can make open field plays. And, and it, you're right. I think it really has changed. And I think right now we're sort of stuck in a little period. But there'll be somebody, you know, that'll come up with something a little bit innovative, and, and it'll start to catch on, I guess. We always have. But uh, I think you're exactly right. Well, and you're the perfect person for me to make this final point <clears throat> or final request because you being a lifelong defensive coach, after watching so much football, especially the NFL, I hate zone coverage. I hate it. And I don't know why anybody runs zone coverage. I would rather take my chance with a, with a six-man rush or at least a five-man rush or six-man rush and, and man up everybody across the board, as long as I got enough people to cover everybody, and take my chances versus continually watching these quarterbacks who you can't touch stand in the pocket for four seconds and throw to a wide-open receiver because, you know, some guy playing a zone thinks the guy behind him is covering that area. Inevitably, he doesn't, and it leads to a wide-open catch. See my point? I hate zone coverage. Can we do away with zone coverage? Well, I mean, if you do away with it totally, you, you're falling right into the trap. 
And if you watch some of the NFL teams, a lot of them are playing more zone than you think they are. Now they match up zone. They don't go. They don't go drop on a spot on the field and wait for the ball to be thrown and break on it like we did back in high school. But they're playing zone concept. And the more athletic the quarterbacks get, I think people are realizing you either got to play zone or you better have a you know a spy like a hole player we used to call it, where one of the safeties is dropping in the middle of the field and the other one's got the deep middle or whatever and they play man free around it. Somebody's got that eyes on the quarterback or mm-hmm. they break out for these 15, 18, 20-yard runs. So, hell, that's a safer play than throwing it down there that far. We played a lot of zone field when I was there. Now, I know. That's longer than we think it was. It's, it's a lot Coach, longer you than we to- think it was. And, Coach, you have to realize Phil is not condemning zone defense in college football. He's upset about the Packers playing zone defense in the NFL. That's, that's really the root of the Joe, problem. Well, I think they, I'm sick. They, some of them don't know how to teach zone coverage. You know, they, don't, they play so much man and so much blitz and all that. They don't work on zone coverage. And then when they try to run the game plan, it's got too many holes in it. If you got guys that can get to the quarterback, you can play zone coverage and be reasonable effective, you'll give up a bunch of five and eight, ten-yard balls, but you can eventually keep them from getting explosive plays. If you don't get explosive plays in the pros, you don't put up points. You have yeah. to have explosive plays. You cannot move the ball in that league, and that's the way the top level of college is getting. There's too many great athletes on the field on, on defense, and so you'll, you'll see them give up yardage and everything, but you'll see the teams that don't panic when that happens. And they always end up keeping them off the board. Hey, real, real quick, were you at South Carolina when Jair Alexander committed to the Gamecocks? Hell, I don't remember who that is. Cornerback, he was from outside of Charlotte. He committed, he decommitted, went to Louisville after Spurrier made his comments about only coaching like two or three more years. He was in that group of seven that decommitted. The reason I bring this up, okay. he plays for the Packers. Yeah, I was he, not he, yeah, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, he plays for the Packers. And he's one of the best corners. He's been hurt a lot. But anyway, Sunday in Charlotte, he was not a team captain, but he went out for the coin toss with the other team captains and actually made the call for the Packers on the coin flip. He wasn't supposed to be out there, but he went out there because he's from Charlotte. And so the Packers suspended him for a game for uh, – uh, detriment uh, you know action detrimental to the team uh, he almost messed up their coin toss i didn't know if you had recruited him because he was originally committed to south carolina just thought i'd throw that out there just another thing wow. with the packers been going on this year yeah he was he walked out with the captains he wasn't one of the captains and he actually called the flip but and the he heads was or not tails told he, could do it. And he was, he was not, not told, told he, he could do it, it. no oh no hey we gotta go yeah. Well, we're almost winning. Uh, thank you, sir. We'll talk to you around the national championship game. We'll be right back. Chris, you got a quick story about calling the coin toss from your days with Coastal Carolina this year? I I do. As part of my job as a sideline reporter for the radio network, I walk out and we get the opening coin toss live on the radio, and I walk out with the team, the team captains, and I always stand beside Sam Pinkney 
because Sam is the guy who makes the coin toss every week for the uh, Shauna Clears when they're on the road. Obviously, he doesn't have to do anything mm-hmm. at home. Well, after the UCLA game, Coastal lost, I think it was six or seven consecutive games where they didn't get the coin toss right. And Sam and I started joking about it because it almost became comical. And he kept calling tails. You know, tails never fails. So it failed consistently. It was always heads or the other team called and they won the toss. So I joked with him uh, while we were out in Hawaii. I said, Sam, you need, since we're out here, you know, 5,000 miles from home, you need to change things up. Why don't you call heads? <laughs> and sure enough, Sam is as nice, uh, humble a guy as he is, who, by the way, was another one who uh, declared for the NFL draft today, but in doing so after his team played. So I've got yeah. major respect for a player doing that, as opposed to the Boston College offensive lineman, who, with them kicking off in the morning at 11 o'clock, just announced he's going to opt out. Uh, I'm sure the BC folks are excited about that. But anyway, back to Sam. So Sam said, I'll do it. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> no one was more nervous going out for the coin toss than me because if he were wrong, it'd be my fault. Well, sure enough, he calls heads. They flip the coin, and, of course, it lands on tails. So had he stuck with his normal game plan, he would have gotten the coin toss right. But uh, Coastal, it it didn't seem to affect his play. But, yeah, I, I, I need to stop trying to influence kids and, and make friends because it just failed miserably on that. Wow. That's why it's called chance, <laughs> right? You got a 50-50 chance exactly. no matter what you do. There's there's no logic to it or anything like that. Um, all right, let's uh, switch gears for a moment, talk a little high school basketball, as we like to do on Wednesday nights. We welcome in. Coach John Combs, former basketball coach, now the AD at Spring Valley High School, a little hooping and hollering on this Wednesday night. And, Coach, hope you had a great Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And, man, it's a big time in South Carolina. We got some major tournament action taking place, Columbia and down at the beach. Well, Phil, happy holidays to everybody. Y'all hope you all have a Merry Christmas. It is a there's major basketball really going on in all all the corners of the state, the Midlands. We don't have enough time to talk about all, but there's a lot of great basketball going on in South Carolina. Well, touch on the highlights for us. Well, I will tell you one thing's going on right now at the Chick-fil-A Classic. Uh, they host one of their uh, uh, girls' basketball games where it has Camden High School featuring Joyce Edwards playing a, um, uh, Grace Christian out of North Carolina, and they're – that's notable because uh, Grace Christian has Sarah Strong, who's considered the number one player uh, in women's um, basketball for the class of 2024, with Joyce Edwards is considered a second-ranked team. Um, it's a good battle going on. I think they're at halftime now there at River Bluff High School. Uh, I think Joyce has had a decent game. Sarah Strong, she had 12 points in the first quarter, like hit three threes. I think uh, half of the Gamecock women's basketball team is there, and it sounds like the mm. coaching staff is all there. And that's just the girls' basketball. Later on tonight, uh, I think at 8.40 at River Bluff High School, you're going to have uh, a Ridgeview taking on River Bluff High School, and that's going to be – I mean, this is just day one of the Chick-fil-A Classic, so that's that, that's a great way to get things started today over there. The – the the beach ball going on as well, tipping off down in Myrtle Beach. I was talking to a friend of mine who's been going to it for years and years and years. It's come under new uh, ownership in recent years, new new leadership. And I don't know, his opinion was maybe a little bit of a drop-off there with the beach ball, like one of the original national tournaments, which for years uh, dominated the high school basketball um, uh, tournament landscape this time of the year. Uh, 
what is your opinion? Do you you sense any drop off there? Has has a has a Chick Fil A, and maybe you're a little bit prejudiced because you're here in the Midlands, but has a Chick Fil A kind of surpassed the beach ball as the the premier event maybe uh, in the country with with the with the teams they bring in? Well, I will tell you, Phil, it is a worthy discussion to have, and it probably depends on from year to year. I mean, I'm sitting here just looking at the beach ball classic, you know, the game schedule. I mean, I know later tonight, 8:45, Norcross out of Georgia is playing uh, Lexington High School, and that's just that's going to be a, a battle that's got uh, you know national implications. I mean, there's people from all over. I, I, you know, you could probably really go from year to year, which one is the better event. Um, you know, the beach ball is to me kind of like the granddaddy of it all. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the one that, um, you know, most people would probably look at as the the premier high school basketball event from for a long time. And the Chick-fil-A classic just recently, I say recently, now I feel like I'm getting old. I mean, it is now, uh, probably got started, what, 2005 or somewhere right around there. I mean, it, it, it's, it's very much a, a rival of the event and probably depending on the year, some years probably the Chick-fil-A is a little bit better than the beach ball. What goes in to getting teams to come to these events? What do the guys have to go through to get teams, high-level high teams, highly-ranked national teams to come in? Well, there's a lot of things. And the short answer, a lot of it is it's, it's money. I mean, and what I mean mm-hmm. by money, that could be money to pay some of these teams their travel. You know, it, it's not real cheap to fly – from Arizona to South Carolina, then you do you put them up in a hotel? Do you provide meals? And sometimes some of these programs they don't they they reach out to you and see that's a great environment. They want to be a part of something uh, special. Like I said, some of these places have really good events, but the environment's not really good. You know, the crowd's not great, but they provide great amenities. Um, a lot of this is relationship building. I know when we first got Oak Hill Academy to come to the bash years ago or when we first right before just called it the bash and we went mm-hmm. up to oak hill twice and developed a relationship with then former coach uh, steve smith and you know they really they really loved coming here they came here and had a great time and uh, you know like i say sometimes it's money sometimes it's relationships sometimes it's hey, people want to travel that's the great thing about this time of the year in high school basketball uh, kids love to travel coaches most coaches love to travel they love to take their team on the road compete against the best i mean you're, you're getting to compete against high level competition coach bailey harris lex have always talk about playing against kobe bryant you know back in the day i mean those are the type of things you know great collegiate may want to talk about when they played zion williamson when he was really good back in the day when zion broke out at the chick-fil-a classic you just never know what you're going to see and there's a lot of great things that go into to getting these uh, teams to come in Hooping and Holleran here tonight on Sports Talk. John Combs, our special guest. And, uh, Coach, you talked about the teams coming in, but how important at the Chick-fil-A and at the beach ball is it for our teams here in South Carolina, maybe not necessarily to win the tournaments because uh, the amount of talent there makes it awfully difficult, but we've got some really good basketball here in South Carolina. So how important it is is it for our teams to have good showings in these events with region play coming up here in just a couple of weeks? Well, we've got a bunch of outstanding teams here in the state, and we're, we're also very prideful. You know, we don't want to just come in here and, uh, um, you know, uh, play well. They, they want to play to win. I mean, you know, I mm-hmm. promise you when great collegiate plays, they're playing to win the event. They're not playing just to win one game. Same with Lexington High School. When they played Norcross and out of Georgia, which will be an outstanding test for them, uh, they're playing to win it. Um, you know, it, it is a, a measuring stick, you know, 
back when, you know, years ago when before social media, you just heard about people. Now you get to see the video of all these teams play. And you, you think you're pretty good, but you want to play, you know, you want to put yourself on the map. You want to put South Carolina on the map saying that we're a pretty good basketball uh, stay here as well. So it, it, these coaches, these players, they're ultra competitive. They played against each other on the AU circuit. They played against each other in the showcase events. So it is very important, um, pridefully, to, to want to play well, getting ready for a region play coming up soon. So uh, Chris touched on region play. You just mentioned region play. So is that kind of where we are now? We're going to get through the rest of December, um, go back to school after New Year's, I guess, maybe a, a few days into January. And then when do we get into the heat of the, the region competition across the state? Well, most people will start region play, you know, uh, really uh, about a week after the first of the year. I think some may play. Uh, they may play a game on a region game January 5th, uh, a lot of, which I believe is that Friday. Some may wait until that next Tuesday. But once the calendar turns to the new year, it's pretty much 95% all region play. You might have the Martin Luther King Day classic games and occasional mm-hmm. showcase here and there. But then, I mean, it's all, this is what you're, you know, you're preparing for. This is why some of these teams are playing against high-level uh, showcases and high-level tournaments because they want to be at their best uh, for region play because that's what determines whether you make the playoffs or not. You want to win a region championship. You want to give yourself a great seed going into the state playoffs to give yourself the best opportunity to show well in the state playoffs. So it's, this is the time you want to play your best basketball. It's pretty amazing how quickly region play flies by because yeah. you look up you got january and what a little bit of february and then you're into the state tournament about mid-february right oh absolutely you really you uh, you've got a month and some change <laughs> of of region play that's it i mean you know, say you start january 5th i want to say the last regular season date is like february 9th february somewhere right around there and then the first round of playoffs start so yeah you really got just a little over a month, maybe a, a month and two weeks, month and a week, and then the state playoffs start. So it, it, it does go by very, very quick because you're playing two times a week typically. You're playing on the Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, Friday. You might have an occasional off night. But outside of that, it, it's, it, it goes on real quickly. Well, we're looking forward to it. And, listen, we appreciate you being with us tonight. Looking forward to cranking it up next week. A region play will be, like you said, right around the corner when we meet with you next week after the holiday, happy new year to you. We look forward to some more uh, hooping and hollering next week. And thank you, Thanks, coach. coach. We appreciate it. Hey, y'all thank y'all very much. Happy holidays and uh, wish everybody go out and go see some high school basketball this weekend. A lot of great going, great going on tournaments this weekend all across the state. Thank you. Absolutely. And we'll talk some college basketball with you too, because it's going pretty well in a couple of three places uh, around the state to this point. So talk to you next week, coach. Thank you very much. Y'all take care. Thank you. All right, Coach John Combs, going to hit the break on Sports Talk, and we'll come back and uh, hear from Chris Rumpf, wrap it up with some uh, recruiting notes and some final thoughts as we go to the break. Who's going to get the Mayo bath? Uh, West Virginia <laughs> leading North Carolina 17-10. Virginia Tech has beaten Tulane today. Virginia Tech 41-20. Over two lanes. Be back with Chris Rumpf comments in a moment.
We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, let's say I'm out in the woods or I'm on the water and I need to reach a DNR agent. How do I do that? Operation Game Thief, Phil. It's been around 30-plus years. You can call us at our 24-hour hotline any time of day, 1-800-922-5431. To report wildlife violations or to get help if you're in trouble in the woods or on the water, call us at Operation Game Thief, 1-800-922-5431. Look no further than Founders Federal Credit Union for all your mortgage loan needs. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or upgrading your space, Founders has many loan options to fit your lifestyle and your budget, such as low fixed and adjustable rate and flexible terms. Plus, Founders never charges PMI, private mortgage insurance. Our mortgage loan officers are here to answer your questions and help you start the home buying process. Stop by an office or visit foundersfcu.com to apply for a mortgage today. Federally insured by NCUA membership qualification required. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing lender. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at scattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Okay, today, after Clemson's practice, made a number of players available, and they also made available, for the first time, one of their new additions on the coaching staff, defensive end coach Chris Rumpf. First time he has talked with the media since returning to Clemson. Here is some of what he had to say to the media after this afternoon's practice. Back here and back in the groove. Man, like riding the bus. No, this has been really good. Man. Really blessed. Really, really blessed. The coach media and staff and the players are really welcoming and excited. You jumped right in and got right after it. He didn't give me any chance. I'm like, coach, when you need me, like, like tomorrow, I'm like, oh, man. So, yeah, 
Uh, I'm excited just to be here, man, and to get back going again, coaching with these guys. I'm excited. Excited for the bowl game. Been a while. So got to knock some rust off, but I'll be fine. The guys going to help me out. Chris, we saw you get right after it. First practice that we were all out there. How would you describe your coaching style? I mean, just, you know, my philosophy is to coach them hard, love them hard. So I got, I'm going to coach them hard every day and everything. Whether it's football, life, everything's going to be coached hard, but they don't know where it's coming from. You learned the guys' names yet? Uh, most of them. <laughs> Nicknames. <laughs> what are your first impressions of some of the talent you have? Oh, I'm very impressed. I mean, you got some young guys that can really go. I'm excited for it. Uh, to see these guys grow and get better each day. Guess what was the process in terms of deciding? You know, the NFL don't want to coach there anymore. I'd like to go back to college. Like, why, why did you, you end up? Just, back just here? people. Um, you know, you know, this is one of the places that my wife and I were talking about. If we made that move back, where we would go instead of you know waiting to go back to another team. And uh, once this opportunity came up, came up and, uh, it was a no-brainer. What was Coach Sweeney's sales pitch when he came to you? It really wasn't. He didn't have to sell me. I knew. I've been here before. I knew it was here. I knew what the program was and the people that was involved with it. So I was excited and blessed you could give me the opportunity. Transition he said he from you to, from, from Coach, I'm sorry, transition from Coach Hall to you as far as the players are concerned. Have they made a, a pretty seamless transition? Yeah, they, they try. You know, it's, it's probably hard on me because, you know, I'm used to, you know, telling guys to do this, do this, and they're able to do it. So I'm catching myself sometimes. I'm, I'm realizing, you know, what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with some 18-year-olds instead of some 30-year-olds. Kevin said he wanted to hire you back in 2017. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't the right time. Is that right? Did he contact yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's interesting. I'm going to you. He's going to have to tell you that soon. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you know, when you're to where the first time you heard of Clemson, you've been to so many different places in the college ranks and now the pros, and what do you think you've learned? How have you changed as a coach since the last time you were here? Um, I don't think I've changed much. Uh, still going to be the person I am. Uh, I just, if anything, you just understand that the meaning of relationships and how important it is and how important it is to be around the right kind of people. So when you come in, you're, you're handed a group of kids you didn't recruit. Did you watch any film, or did you just want to say, I want to see them out at practice and let that be my idea of who yeah, they so are? Yeah, you know, you, you watch some of the things of what they were doing before and, and some of the improvements they may need, but then you just go out there and just put your hands on them and see what you really have. So you're losing a couple of guys like XT and Justin, but are there, there any of these youngsters that have kind of already caught your eye and, and who and why? I don't want to say any names yet, but... <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't able to get a shot of your face when you first started talking, but everybody talked about the My face. Yeah, I need to see your face to put it on TV. Yeah, they talked about your face already. Oh, no. Hey, no. wait a minute. They're lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first day that we got to see you at practice, we saw that fire and that energy that you brought, and your kids instantly talked about how much they love it and they appreciate it. Can you talk about that fine balance that it takes of adding the fire but loving on them just as much so they know where it's coming from? Well, the first thing, I saw you guys over there, so I tried to move all the way over there. So whatever mic y'all use is pretty bad going to Um, You know, I'm just coaching the guys, and I just got back out there just excited to be back with them again. And, you know, anytime you're around these guys, they give you some energy and just make you go. And I just want to coach them hard. And they got to know where I'm coming from, where my heart is. And I'm concerned about them for more than just football. And when you get that, then they'll run through the wall for you. How about the relationship hey, between you and Eason and, and what you guys can do together? I know it's, it's funny, man. Me and Nick was talking years ago when I was in the, uh, when I was in, in the pros. And, no, he was in he was in the pros. I was in college. And I was like, he was like, man, I'm going to come back to college. I said, I don't know, man. You know, you got to do this. He said, no, nah, I'm not coming. 
and all of a sudden we switched. I went to the pros, he went back to college, and then we started talking. He's like, man, it's really nice over here, man. I said, really? So we have a good relationship, and it's, it's, it's good to uh, both of us speaking the same language. Was there something about pro football that you had reached a point where you were like, eh, maybe this isn't where I want to spend the rest of my coaching days. I'd like to go back to the college level. Again, you know, the pro has its pros and cons. College has its pros and cons. But at the end of the day, to be back in this place, back at home, um, be around the people and seeing your face and talking to you and all that stuff, just warm me so much. Well, I'm a winner, so anything I took, put my hands on, I want to win. So I'm excited about it. So I want to win. And when you look at this team, so you've been on some good teams. You've been around some great programs, Alabama, Tennessee. You now have had some practices. What about this program? What do you see? I think I'm, I've never been around a bunch of interior guys that rush the passing as well as these guys do inside. Can you still say go, Cox? Now, you know, I had to get that in there at the very end. Easy. He gave now. me a go Tigers. He gave me a go Tigers as he was walking away. Well, look, he's a. You know, he was a Gamecock as a player and as uh, no, I get that. And he part. coached South Carolina, yeah, yeah. About the little off-color comment he made as well. Oh, what was that? He had a little curse word he dropped in there, unless I misheard. Oh, I didn't hear. I didn't catch. <laughs> he did take a shot at those of us on the radio, saying that you know he had a face for radio. That's when I, I saw that. I said, "Wait a minute I was now! A disappointed Wait a minute! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah." All right, a couple of quick uh, recruiting items here before we wrap it up. Recruiting brought to you by Seawells. Of course, they remain closed until after the new year, so you will have to uh, anticipate uh, what's coming up in uh, 2024. And you need the best in the catering business to help you with your big event in 2024. Just give the folks at Seawells a call at 803-771-7385, online at Seawells Catering SC. Just a couple of quick little items here. USC offered Miami of Ohio transfer Gage Lavardian. So that this is a wide receiver that they apparently, uh, not apparently, that they are interested in uh, coming out of Miami of Ohio, a team that won their bowl game. Uh, he is a native of Louisiana, Donaldsonville, 5'10", 165. And let's see what he did uh, stats-wise while he was there with the Red Hawks. In his career, he had uh, played in 10 games this year, uh, 42 catches, 679 yards, six touchdowns. He averaged over 16 yards per catch. So um, he must be a – I'll have to look up some more history on him. He only – he was only at Miami of Ohio for one year. Uh, he transferred from Southeastern. Um, previous, okay, he was at Southeastern Louisiana, and then he transferred to Miami of Ohio. Um, and now he would be a transfer again, and because of the rules, he can do that without penalty. So South Carolina has made him an offer. Former Clemson receiver Frank Ladson uh, is transferring for a third time. No, for a second time. Clemson to Miami, and now Miami to Massachusetts. So former Clemson receiver Frank Ladson still looking for a happy place. Uh, didn't play very much at Miami. He thought maybe going home would be uh, a good move for him after leaving Clemson. He's from the Miami area. Didn't turn out to be the case. 
And there you go with recruiting. A couple of quick notes on this uh, Wednesday night. Chris, welcome back. Uh, you got a lot of things uh, to get off your chest when you get a chance to. Yes, actually, I wanted to comment on Peyton Wilson and the NC State guy, but we can say this until tomorrow. I just want college players to start being honest with us and stop talking about how you're opting out to prepare for the NFL draft, and then you're actually going to show up and be on the sidelines with your team for your bowl game. Just say I don't yeah, want to get hurt in the gym. bowl game. Go, go be in the gym <laughs> working out, you know. Uh, thank you, Josh Cohen. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody. Yes, See you tomorrow.